Welcome to the Quadcast, a Yale Divinity School podcast series focusing on issues related to religion, culture, and politics. In this episode, Emily Judd interviews Yale Divinity School alum Dr. Scott Morris, who is the founder and CEO of Church Health, a faith-based charitable clinic in Tennessee that provides holistic medical care to over 55,000 patients and those who could otherwise not afford it. Dr. Morris argues that having good health is not just about the absence of disease. Being healthy is ultimately about three things. Having more joy in your life, having more love in your life, and being driven closer to things greater than we are. He urges Christians to reclaim the biblical commitment to care for the sick. You want to follow Jesus, you got to find a way to be engaged in a healing ministry. And Dr. Morris weighs in on what he considers the biggest failures in the American healthcare system. We have created a treatment system, not a health care system. And because you don't get paid for prevention. 35 years ago, you founded Church Health in Memphis, Tennessee, a church-based charitable clinic that provides holistic medical care to those who could otherwise not afford it. Now, Church Health has grown to become the largest faith-based, privately funded primary care clinic in the United States with over 55,000 patients and 90% of them earn less than $12 an hour. Can you talk about the moment the idea of church health came to you? Is it true that it happened while you were at YDS? Well, so I grew up in Atlanta, and growing up in Atlanta, I was always interested in the church, but uh, the thought of preaching 52 sermons a year sent shivers down my spine, still does. I have no idea how anybody could do that. But I read the Bible as a teenager and came to realize that a third of the Bible has to do with healing the sick. It's literally on every page. But I would look around to see what churches did, and there just wasn't much to it. You know, we prayed for people on Sunday morning. The pastor was expected to visit people in the hospital. A few people visited the shut-ins, and that defined our healing ministry. You know, all over this country, we had built large hospitals that have church names on them. They do good work but they had almost nothing to do with worshiping congregations. It seemed to me that there ought to be more to it than that. So as I went on uh, in my own personal life looking for a way to connect faith and health, what, what would that look like for me to be professionally involved in the church without having to stand in the pulpit every week? So I go to college, and then um, I end up at Yale Divinity School, um, I spent most of my time at Yale Divinity School looking at what the church has historically done around these issues of faith and health, and um, still not quite sure what that would practically mean for me. And then one day, I was in the chaplain's office at the Yale Medical School, and I looked on his desk, and there was a little pamphlet that said, How to Start a Church-Based Health Clinic. And I go, That's it. That is what I want to do. And from that point on, I just moved forward to figure out how this uh, would go. I went to medical school, did a residency to be a family doctor, and end up in Memphis. uh, And we opened our doors 35 years ago. But but yes, the answer is is yes. Uh, All of this really came to fruition when I was at YDS, um, along with help from the chaplain of the medical school. So after completing your master's in divinity degree at YDS, you earned an MD from Emory University, making you both a pastor and a doctor. 
Many people view, especially in the Western world, view medicine and religion or ministry as two different career paths. But you argue that the healing ministry is, quote, crystal clear in the Bible, unquote. But it's hard to find in the church today. How can people begin to think of healthcare and faith as interconnected? So look, um, we came to this position uh, starting with Plato that gets recapitulated by Descartes. Um, Both Plato and Descartes convince us that you can take a human being and separate us into a body and a spirit. And we put the body on one side and say it's the purview of science and medicine. We put the spirit on the other and say it's okay for the church and people of faith to mess around with our spirits, but heaven forbid it cross this line and care about our bodies. Well, that idea is a fundamentally non-Christian, non-Jewish, non-Muslim, non-Hindu idea. From a biblical standpoint, in Genesis, you know, God breathes the breath of life, the dust, the ruach, into the dust of the earth, and it is only when Adam and Eve are dust and breath that we are fully alive, that we are fully human. Um, throughout the entire uh, Bible, especially the New Testament, Um, You cannot separate body and spirit. You know, we are one. Um, And yet, you know, we live in a world where uh, Cartesian dualism is the norm. Um, You know, Plato and Descartes rule the world. Uh, But it is fundamentally not Christian. Um, And so that has sort of been my uh, challenge for for my entire career uh, is to have this repartee with, um, with Descartes and Plato uh, and trying to get the church to realize that we are living into something that is actually f- not actually Christian. So you have a new book titled CARE, that's C-A-R-E capitalized, How People of Faith Can Respond to Our Broken Health System. In the book, you highlight that caring for the sick was a key part of the early Christian history. How did healing and caring for the sick help the early church, the early Christian communities, grow and gain followers? Yeah, so if, if we are just looking at the early church, you know, the, the, the gospel, the New Testament ends um, after Jesus' resurrection. There's still just a handful of people who are following Jesus, right? There, there's not a lot. Well, by the end of the in, into the uh, fourth century, Constantine um, sees the writing on the on the wall and converts um, all of Rome for Christianity to be the state religion. So, how did that come to be? Now, most preachers will tell you it had to be because of good preaching. Good preaching had very little to do with it. Um, in the second and third century in the Roman world, there were plagues all over the Roman world. Um, And when people got sick, it was only the Christians who were willing to care for them. And when they got better, people asked the question, who is your God that I might follow him? That is what grew the church. You know, taking seriously the fact that, you know, if you want to follow Jesus, the call to discipleship is clear. You are to preach, to teach, and to heal. We do not get to take a pass on the healing part. You know, you want to follow Jesus, you got to find a way to be engaged in a healing ministry. That is what grew the church uh, early on, and I actually think it is also what will grow the church in today's world. You know, we will not grow the church in today's world through more bad Christian rock music. 
you know, that will not solve what we need to happen. Um, but if we were to return to the fact that God gave us this body for a reason, and we do what we are expected to do, and we find a way to actually make healing be central to who we are, there's no telling what might happen for the future of the church. How can Christians without medical background, like myself, demonstrate Jesus's commitment to healing? What would that look like? Yeah, so we first have to begin with understanding what it means to be a whole and healthy human being. Um, So to start with, being healthy is not about the absence of disease. The World Health Organization would agree with that. You know, who cares if you live two years longer, if it means two years longer in a nursing home? Life for life's sake can't possibly be the point. Breathing in, breathing out, none of us are signing up for that. So what I believe, and here at Church Health we believe, is that being healthy is ultimately about three things. Having more joy in your life, having more love in your life, and being driven closer to things greater than we are. Now, we would call that God. A a person doesn't have to call that God. But for all of us, there are things in life greater than we are that we need to be brought closer to. But if this is what it takes to be healthy, more joy, more love, and being driven closer to God, it doesn't have a lot to do with the doctor, does it? So, So this led us to create something we call the model for healthy living. So we will argue there are seven things in life that are equally important to life that must be in balance if you're going to be healthy. All seven of them are equally important. Now, one of them is medical care, but it's only one. You know, this country is currently spending a trillion dollars a year on the doctor, the hospital, and drugs, but it only has 10% to do with your health outcomes. That's it, 10%. You could argue we're not spending the money very wisely. Now, second is nutrition. You know, our mothers told us we are what we eat. They were right. You know, movement. Our bodies were made to move. Emotions, family and friends, work. And lastly, your faith life. We think your faith life is as important as anything the doctor would do if you're going to be healthy. Anyway, these seven things are ways that each of us can and need to be involved that we would consider to be a healing ministry. You know, it's not about giving people pills. It's not about doing tests. It's about helping us live into more joy, more love, and being driven closer to God, which is why I think everybody has a path into a healing ministry. Now, you just touched on, you know, the the healthcare system in the United States and and drugs and, um, you know, treating disease rather than preventing it. And your book also touches on the state of America's healthcare system. What do you consider to be the biggest failure of the current healthcare system? So our healthcare system's got a lot of failures, <laughs> but um, the biggest is, I think, no question that we have in America created a healthcare system that completely leaves out the people who work to make our lives comfortable. You know, uh, there are well over 30 million people in America who don't uh, qualify for anything. Their job doesn't offer them health insurance. Um, The Affordable Care Act has not impacted their life. Um, These are the people who work to make our lives comfortable. They cook our food, take care of our children, wash our dishes, cut our grass, will one day dig our graves. They don't complain. 
yet when they get sick, their options are very few. You know, heaven forbid you're an undocumented immigrant and you've been building houses in our community for 20 years. You know, you fall off the roof and you break your arm. What our system will tell you is go back to Mexico. Um, this is truly an issue of justice, but it's primarily an interest, an issue of, you know, how we are going to care for our neighbors. You know, the, this failure of the healthcare system uh, is destroying the fabric of our uh, community in so many ways. And it's also something that the church has to be front and center trying to fix and respond to, which is what my book's about, and it's what the work of Church Health has been about for over 35 years. So I actually live overseas, and I um, recently came back to the U.S., um, was visiting my parents, and I got sick, and I had to see a doctor without health insurance in the U.S., and I was shocked at how much it costs to go to the doctor. It costs $200 just to see a doctor. Just to walk through the door, right? Yes. And then $200. For a 15-minute office visit. Yeah. Or no, yeah. I think it was like $110 to get a strep throat test because I, I had strep throat. And for, for which there is no adequate treatment for strep throat. Yes, exactly. Just, that's mean, what they told me. We you. have convinced people that you need antibiotics for strep throat, and that's actually not right. Yeah. Well, actually, this time they, they told me whatever type of strep that I had um, is, is not treated by antibiotics. But I was like, okay, well, that's $300 you know, down the drain. But how on earth would someone who really needs to see a doctor and doesn't have insurance... I mean, um, yeah, there's a lot of, I think, uh, issues that need to be fixed with the health care system. And I saw it. Thank God I had the resources to see a doctor, but many people don't who are living in the United but, States. But there are, there are so many other things where we're flawed in our health care system, this being one. I mean, uh, you know, particularly somebody as young as you are, we, we've convinced you, us all that technology is the solution to health. That, that is actually not right. Um, our bodies are amazingly good at fixing themselves. Um, the ideas around prevention seem to escape us because we believe that once my body is broken, our, our, our doctors are now so smart they can fix us. Well, that may not necessarily be the case. Um, so, so the other big flaw in our system is that we have created a treatment system, not a health care system. Um, and because you don't get paid for prevention... You know, that you get paid for, you know, that trillion dollars is going uh, to do things. It's not about keeping you healthy. Totally agree. I, I uh, thank you so much for putting it that way. Which is actually is an idea you would hope the church would just fully engage and say, hey, that's what we're about. We're in the business of doing that. One thing I wanted to highlight was church health, the funding for church health. It's, it's private. The clinic is private. And you do not take any money from the government. What motivates you to keep the clinic privately funded? So I've, church health is not about solving the great social problems in America. We actually don't know how to do that. We're not even trying to do that. You know, from what I've said so far, I hope you will see that what we are about is reclaiming the church's biblical and historical commitment to care for our bodies as well as our spirits and to care for the poor who are sick. This is ultimately about ministry. Now, the government cannot do the work of the church, and neither should we ask it to. 
You know, there, there's no church in America that receives federal funding for its ministry. You know, that's a joke. You know, it's absurd to even think about the government funding our churches. Well, what church health is about, what this world of ministry that we're engaged with is about, is finding a way for the church to become more relevant. And so we either have to be funded by people of faith and by our faith communities, or we have to let the doors close. You know, thankfully, we haven't had to do that, but, but we have to raise $25 million a year. That's real money. Uh, now, the value of what we do is we have over 1,000 physicians who volunteer with us. Um, there's not a problem somebody could have from the cradle to the grave. We uh, can't get taken care of primarily through charitable donations, and people do it mostly because of a faith commitment. But, I mean, the value of what we do is close to $200 million a year. Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. And after 35 years, <laughs> that's a long time to, to be doing this ministry. Uh, now, you have called fellow Yale Divinity School alum and the third Yale University chaplain, William Sloan Coffin, you've called him a prophet of God on earth. And you've quoted his definition of faith, which is faith is jumping off of a cliff and then growing wings. Faith is jumping off of a cliff and then growing wings. What does that definition mean to you? Faith is what gives us the opportunity to feel that we are ultimately connected to God. Um, and so jumping off that cliff and then growing wings uh, is about finding a way for us to uh, realize that uh, ultimately God is in, in control. It's not us. Um, yet uh, finding uh, the path in the midst of the, the chaos that surrounds us uh, is what we should be doing every day. Um, and, you know, it can't be about certainty. You know, so nothing uh, that we do that is valuable uh, begins with certainty. You know, we, we need to find day in and day out how we're going to live this life that, that is driving us closer to God. Um, and our health is a great example of that. You know, we're, we're not promised that we are going to be uh, absent of disease. What we are hopefully looking for is a way to in, engage our lives in a way that our body becomes uh, instrumental to us, you know, knowing what being faithful to God is all about. Thank you so much for joining us today and giving all of your insight and wisdom on faith, medicine, spirituality, and in healthcare. And don't forget about my new book, Care, How People of Faith Can Respond to Our Broken Health System, published by Erdman's. Uh, well, actually, you can order it on Amazon. It'll be out October 27th. Amazing, amazing. It will make a great Christmas gift, a Thanksgiving <laughs> It'll make gift. make a great Christmas gift. Yes, exactly. Well, thank you so much.